Theological education should be accessible. In the past, men have had to leave their local churches to train for the ministry. At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, you can now complete a seminary education while staying in your own church and being mentored by your own pastor. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. Welcome to the Modern Merrowmen podcast with Tom Hicks and John DeVito. Modern Merrowmen is a podcast on the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. We're hosting a weekly conversation on the law and the gospel so that Christian leaders and church lay people will rightly divide the word of truth. Hey, Tom, it's good to see you again. Hey, brothers. Great to see you, too. Well, why don't you introduce uh, our special guest this time? Sure. Uh, today, we have the privilege of having Sam Renahan with us, and he is... Uh, the pastor of Trinity Reformed Baptist Church in La Mirada, California. He's also the author of various books such as Deity and Decree and Crux, Moors, and Fairy, a primer and reader on, or primer and reader on the descent of Christ. And so, uh, Sam, it's great to have you with us, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, John. Looking forward to the podcast. Absolutely. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. We've been discussing, uh, considering the covenant of grace and uh, the new covenant. And so it's appropriate that we think of how the, uh, the kingdom of God is related to the covenant and also the kingdom of God in general. And so, Sam, just to start us off in considering the kingdom of God, would you make certain distinctions between God's general sovereignty over all creation and his kingdom? How would you conceive of those things? Yes, if we look at the scriptures, it it is obvious that God has authority and dominion over all things. Uh, and so if we think about the, king, <clears throat> the kingdom or the dominion or the authority of God, it extends to all places and all times and all things, he being the creator of all things. Uh, the, the Psalms praise God for, for this and for his dominion over all things, both nature and, and men. Even Nebuchadnezzar, after he emerges from his animal-like state, acknowledges that God has power over all things. Um, and, and so we see God's authority uh, and his influence, his sovereignty uh, in all parts of creation and all peoples and all places and all times. And so we can at least start out with a, a general, as you said, a general sovereignty, a general authority, a general power over all things. God has not made anything more powerful than himself or with authority mm. over himself. He is the, the one true living God who made all things. And so he has absolute dominion and power over all things. But then we, we are able to make distinctions from that general sovereignty. And I, I like to talk about distinguishing not just God's kingdom from that general sovereignty, but really God's kingdoms um, from his general sovereignty. And so this is something that may seem complicated, but it's, it's fairly simple and we shouldn't overthink it. We know that God has authority and dominion over all existence, all, all creation, the whole universe. But then we can ask the question, has God established more specific uh, realms of authority? Has God established more specific dominions or spaces or spheres uh, of sovereignty in his creation? 
Uh, and then we can say, oh, actually, yes, that's true. There are more specific or more defined uh, realms or, or dominions or kingdoms within his general sovereignty. Hmm. And my personal view, which I advance in my book, The Mystery of Christ, is that God has established uh, three kingdoms. I, I believe that the scriptures declare to us three kingdoms uh, that we can identify three different places or three different um, dominions, three different spheres where God has established specific authority in that specific place. And so the, the first of those three would be the kingdom of creation. Uh, the second of those would be the kingdom of Israel. And the third of those would be the kingdom of Christ. And each of those has um, God establishes a specific kind of relationship, uh, a specific kind of dominion in those realms, and he does so through his covenants. What, what, what creates this space? What creates this sphere? And what establishes the, the commands that God enforces there or the promises that God provides there? Well, it's, it's covenant that does that. And so it's really through the covenants of the scripture that we identify more specific kingdoms in God's dealings with mankind throughout the history of the world. And, and to come back to where I started, I see three of those. Uh, so yes, I believe we can distinguish at least three, I would say specifically three kingdoms uh, in distinction from God's general sovereignty all over all creation. Mm. Well, that's helpful. How, how then would you... Um explain uh, in, in thinking of you know, redemptive history uh, what what the kingdom of God was before the fall then in, in, in light of uh, these distinctions you've made we see in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 a specific area that God sets apart it says after God has created the world it says God planted a garden uh, in Eden and God put the man there to work it and to keep it and so God has delineated or designated or, or made a specific area, Eden, and God has given specific commands uh, in that area, namely the commands regarding the trees, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but from the other trees in the garden you may eat. So now there's this specific place, this specific realm with specific commands and specific promises, we would also argue, because of the tree of life. And of course, then we're really talking about the covenant of works. So the covenant of or the kingdom of God before the fall is, is where I begin to talk about the kingdom of creation, where God is, is ruling over creation, but he's doing so through Adam. And it's starting in Eden, but Eden is intended to be a, a means of extending uh, that dominion of man out to the whole world under God's authority. So we find God's giving both laws and promises to man within Eden, but it has in view all creation bursting out from Eden. Uh, and so before the fall, man is holy and righteous. He is innocent. He's able to keep the commands that God has, has uh, given to him. And so therefore, he's also able to receive the benefits promised by God to him. Um, this, of course, uh, changes with Adam's fall into sin uh, because now that kingdom, that creation that Adam was supposed to bring blessing to and to bring to completion, that kingdom that God has given to him is then cursed. Uh, and it's 
it's a kingdom that's broken. It's a kingdom that's not going to get anywhere on its own. It's a kingdom that will, man's multiplication will be cursed. The woman is cursed. Man's labor is cursed. You could say man's labor and woman's labor, meaning two, two distinct things, uh, are cursed where the ground will resist him. He's not going to advance as a society with, with, um, with mastery. He's going to advance through the sweat of his brow and the corpses of himself and his, his children. And the woman also is going to multiply on the face of the earth, not through a pleasant proliferation, but through a, a very painful one. Uh, and she will be in great danger. It's, it's something our modern society forgets how dangerous childbirth has been throughout the history of the world. No doubt it remains a danger to, to women today, but it's far less of a danger in general. And so the, the kingdom of God before the fall and after the fall, when we're talking about the kingdom of creation, refers to, to all, all the earth, to all, all that God has given to man. We are to have dominion over it. We are to, to work in it. And it was blessed before, but now it is cursed. And we therefore live under God's, uh, we live under God's authority in that kingdom of creation. All of us, believers or unbelievers, uh, it's shared by by all of God's creatures as a part of creation. Hmm. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, if, if as we consider uh, redemptive history as it goes forward, and we think about. Uh, redemptive history after the fall and the kingdom of God after the fall and its development throughout the Old Testament. Uh, how would you express the kingdom of God as it develops through the Old Testament? The first way is that the kingdom of creation is sort of tempered. We talked about it being cursed and resisting man, but God through the flood uh, and through the Noahic covenant, he, he somewhat modifies, really he just sort of... Um, delays the fullness of judgment that he has promised. And so he says the seasons will be regular. Um, the sun and the, the rain and all these things, they will help you produce food. You will live. You will continue. And God commands man to go on. And so the kingdom of creation advances or, or at least moves forward in the sense of a stabilized world. So God's kingdom and the kingdom of creation changes in that way as redemptive history develops. Uh, God will not destroy mankind by a flood. Uh, he has other things that he has planned for mankind because God promised to Adam and Eve, of course, as um, as we know and as has been discussed on the podcast, the promise of, of Jesus Christ in the promise of the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. And so in this stabilized world, in this kingdom of creation that is uh, – going to be a, a world in which man can can live and can thrive, although it's difficult. And in this world, the promise can play out. And so, but where, where and when and how will this promise play out? How is it that the seed of the woman will be born uh, and crush the head of the serpent? Well, God established an, another kingdom, a distinct kingdom, and he did this through distinct covenants. And he, this begins with, with Abraham, who God calls to go to the land of Canaan, and God covenants that land to him. He says, to you and to your offspring, your descendants, I will give this land. And then God, God also says, and from your descendants who are going to live in this land, one of them will bless the nations. And so there's a world, the world is in view here as one of Abraham's descendants will bless the nations. 
So God has now established a, a new realm, this, this place called Canaan, and a, a, a people who, are, who have a right to occupy it. It is their, their inheritance now, Canaan is. And from that people, from the people of Abraham living in Canaan, will come that offspring from Eve, will come that one who brings grace and, and blessing and salvation to the world. And so the kingdom of, this is what we call the kingdom of Israel. Uh, the, the children of Abraham. And God advances that kingdom uh, later in time, generations later, through the Mosaic Covenant. When the children of Abraham are going to enter into the land, God says, you are to live in this way. These are the laws that you are to observe. These are the ceremonies that you are to keep. Uh, these are the sacrifices that you are to offer, etc. Et and we find that this is a distinct kingdom based on distinct covenants because God does not require those things of the nations. He doesn't say to the nations, why aren't you circumcised? God does not say, why don't you have a, a high priest uh, and, and such things and, and a tabernacle like, like the one in Israel? Well, because they're not Israel. They're not that kingdom. They, they have not received those covenants. God made those covenants with Abraham and his descendants and all those who join them through circumcision. So, in the kingdom of creation, which God is governing with the covenant of works and the Noahic covenant, we see that God established a distinct kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. And he did this through the Abrahamic covenant, and he did this through the Mosaic covenant. Uh, and he advances this one time further through the Davidic covenant, where he places a king over this kingdom. Uh, the, the narrative of the Old Testament makes a big point out of the fact that there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And this was very bad. They needed a king to lead them in keeping God's law. They needed a king to lead them in, in purifying the worship of the nation. So God's kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is advanced through the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, and the Davidic covenant. Uh, and this really covers the entirety of the Old Testament and redemptive history between the calling of Abraham and uh, the appearance of, of Jesus Christ. Right. So let, let's build on that then. Of course, we um, thinking through this whole idea of, co of, of kingdom coming through covenant. Uh, what happens then to the kingdom of God when Christ enters the world? How would you summarize, um, you know, what, what that uh, inauguration or, or, or that coming uh, of kingdom in light of the uh, previous uh, unfolding of the kingdom through the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in the prophets, <clears throat> there is a a vision of a future perfect kingdom. Israel is looking at its own life, its own history, and it just sees destruction. It sees exile. It sees defeat. It sees just ruins. And so God is making promises to them that a faithful son of David will arise and he will have a perfect kingdom and he will have absolute authority and he will be victorious over his enemies, etc. So Israel is hoping for, waiting for a, a perfect kingdom, an ideal kingdom with an ideal king. But one of the problems that, that they had, one of the things they failed to understand because it was revealed as a, as a mystery is that the, that future king and that future kingdom was not just Israel brought itself brought to a perfect condition. It was a new kingdom. 
It was a distinct kingdom. And this is not bad for Israel because they're all invited to join it. They're all called to join it. They don't get excluded in any way. In fact, they get the first invitation. They get the, the first place in line to enter it. And so Jesus Christ appears as the faithful son of David and the, the king of Israel. And he says, okay, I'm, I'm taking us and all who will join us to that new and future perfect kingdom. And so the Jews think, okay, so we need to be circumcised and we need to be ritually and ceremonially, ceremonially pure. And that's what will get us into this kingdom. And Jesus says, no, no, no. The, the way into this kingdom is not the righteousness of ceremonies. And it's not through the cleansing of animal blood. The way into this new future and perfect kingdom is through my blood offered to you in the new covenant, which cleanses your conscience, which cleanses you from all your sins, which was promised in, in the old covenant. You've been waiting for this. I'm here to, to bring it to you. So Jesus inaugurates this new, uh, new kingdom through a new covenant. What is the realm that is in view? Well, it's, it's, all creation, it's looking forward at its completion to a new creation, a new world, a new heavens and a new earth. Um, the Jews think it's Canaan made perfect and then the nation sort of becoming Jewish. But Jesus is saying, no, it's this whole world reborn, really recreated. Um, and so Jesus, he, he gives, par he teaches in parables, the kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like this. It starts small, but then it grows really big. The kingdom of God is priceless in a way that you can't understand. The kingdom of God depends on your, you being prepared for it and uh, being ready for the appearance of the bridegroom and, and such things. So all, all of these parables are teaching the kingdom of God is not like an, a, a, per a perfected mosaic covenant or perfected kingdom of israel and canaan it's something greater it's something other it's something final and so jesus does not um jesus introduces that third kingdom that we referred to so it's the kingdom of creation with the covenant of works and and the noahic covenant and then there's the kingdom of israel with the abrahamic and mosaic and davidic covenants that that govern it and make it what it is jesus is saying the the new covenant in my blood is what makes the kingdom of god what it is we, we would add to that the covenant of redemption sort of standing behind that, uh, but, but still the, the new covenant is making the, the kingdom of Christ what it is. And that's what we often mean when we talk about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's this otherworldly kingdom that Jesus inaugurates, that Jesus says, I'm, the, I'm here, I'm the king. If you want to be a part of this, you play by my rules. <laughs> you accept the kingdom on my terms because I'm the king. Uh, I It is my kingdom. It's been given to me. The Father has covenanted it to me, and I covenant it to you, uh, he says to his disciples in Luke, uh, I believe, 20, chapter 22. And so you accept that on Jesus' terms, uh, or, or you're excluded. And if the Jews say, well, this isn't fair or anything, Jesus says, just repent and believe in me. Uh, but they, they just want to be Jewish. You know? No, 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 no. We want this to be about being Jewish. And of course, Paul and, and the others argue, then you don't understand what being Jewish is actually about. Because being Jewish has always been about driving to this very specific event. And if you think being Jewish is anything else, you misunderstand what it meant to be a Jew. So in what sense has the kingdom been inaugurated? Well, Jesus has announced it. He has shed his blood to, to purchase it for all his people and to cleanse them for it. Jesus, by being raised from the dead, becomes the first fruits of that new creation. 
he he initiates okay the new age has begun we have a new creation being here no one else has mm. ever no human no man has ever been glorified like this no resurrection has ever taken place like this there's been resuscitations there's been appearances of dead people but no one has been has broken the bonds of death no one has snapped the chains of hell and emerged body and soul in glory he's a new thing he, he's the first fruits um, of the dead, the firstborn of all creation. It is his by right. And so he says, I'm here. I'm the kingdom of Israel. I'm the, I'm the new age. Uh, I am the first fruits. And that means it's been inaugurated. But he has not yet raised up all his people from the dead. He has not yet judged the nations. He has not yet decreated and recreated this world. Um, and so there yet awaits a, a consummation. The writer to the Hebrews says that, Although he has sat down at the right hand of his father, having completed his work, he is waiting until all his enemies are made his footstool. He is waiting and says, we, we don't yet see Jesus. We see Jesus, but we don't yet see all things under his feet. And so there is an initial victory that has been won through Jesus' life and his death and his descent and his resurrection from the dead. But there is a final descent of Christ Hell has been conquered, but Christ will descend once again to conquer earth and to finally destroy his enemies and bring all things to consummation. At that point, uh, there will not be a, a kingdom of Christ against anything else. It will just, the world will be uh, the kingdom of God. It will be the kingdom of Christ, all things brought to consummation. The curse will be no more. The kingdom of creation will be no more. The kingdom of Israel already is no more. Uh, it will just be the kingdom of Christ. So, But we don't see that yet. Uh, we see Jesus, but we don't see all things under his feet yet. Amen. That, thank you very much. Uh, another question for you, you, you know, there's the the already not yet understanding of uh, eschatology and the kingdom of God is closely associated with this and in the New Testament. So how would you understand the kingdom of God as being inaugurated and then and what sense are we waiting for the consummation of the kingdom? So. Could you work that out a little bit further? I know you've already touched on it, but um, how would you see the already not yet with the kingdom? Yeah, the, the powers of the age to come are tasted in the present age, the scriptures tell us. And so that, that resurrection life that Jesus has, that he has inaugurated by, by raising, rising from the dead, it impacts men and women now. And this happens, for example, in regeneration where although our bodies decay and, and are corrupted and, and die, the soul is given new life in regeneration, resurrection life. And so God begins a definitive work of, of renewing, of, of making us like Jesus now. And so that regeneration, that new life that we are given in, in a new birth continues on in sanctification. And so the power of the resurrection, the power of the age to come is, is influencing Jesus' people by giving them new birth and then progressing that through sanctification. And so we already have regeneration. We already have sanctification. We already have the, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us as a guarantee, as a both a first fruits and a guarantee, a deposit, a, a down payment, a certainty 
that we will arrive at the fullness of our inheritance, that those things that Jesus has begun in us by his spirit will be continued and brought to conclusion. So it's not just the cosmic world around us that's going to be brought to consummation, but it's also going to be a consummation of man's nature where our souls will arrive at, at glorification uh, and where our, they will be reunited with glorified bodies. And then man's nature itself will be consummated in a consummated cosmos uh, to the praise and glory of God. And so in that sense, individuals experience that already, not yet. Um, yeah. That's uh, really, really helpful. Reminds me, of course, of our uh, Lord's words when he teaches his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And so I appreciate that, uh, Sam, and, and thank you for joining with us today. Uh, hopefully we can continue this conversation uh, next episode but want to thank you and thank everyone for listening to the modern marrow man podcast on the man of god network brought to you by covenant baptist theological seminary if you'd like to know more about cbts please visit us online at cbtseminary.org that's cbtseminary.org sam right. thanks so much brother that was yeah. a blessing Appreciate and uh, Tom, I don't, I don't know why you didn't get the memo of wearing your favorite uh, concert T-shirt uh, oh, to this uh, podcast, but you have a f <laughs> fin Finnish heavy metal band uh, parody. I don't even know what you're talking about. And what are you even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's because you didn't get the memo. That's true. <laughs> this is true.